Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. In 1987, R.E.M. released Dead Letter Office, a collection of rarities and b-sides from recording sessions from the previous four years. In the liner notes, guitarist Peter Buck was, in one instance, apologetic about the material and was concerned overall that the album would be viewed as the band trying to, quote, cash in, maybe sell a few records. Kurt Cobain, a fan of R.E.M., initially wanted to title Nirvana's compilation album Cash Cow. How do you decide what songs make the cut to be on an album? The moniker B-side could imply a product of lesser quality, of a B-grade, but there are many B-sides that perhaps should have made the album. Just ask fans of Hey Hey What Can I Do or Silver Springs. And while Lindsey Buckingham may have had personal reasons, one would have a tough argument to make that Hats Off to Roy Harper was more worthy to be on Led Zeppelin III. How Soon Is Now was a B-side, not released on a studio album. So was Revolution. So was Yellow Leadbetter, though if you ask me, that was the right call. Can we learn anything about a band from their catalog of supplemental material? Does lesser-heard material sound fresher due to lack of familiarity? Could I pack any more rhetorical questions into this monologue? Our release today spans nearly four years of recordings made with four drummers and five producers at five recording studios across two continents. You can hear that diversity in the recordings, and in listening, can track the creative development of Cobain as a songwriter and Nirvana as a band. It includes songs played at their very first show, and a song from a session completed after their release of Nevermind in September of 1991. There is a retail single and B-side, a track from an EP, a song added to an album for release, several songs from other compilations, and unreleased tracks. The material ranges from dissonant noise rock to blistering pop to the now classic quiet verse loud chorus dynamic initiated by the Pixies and brought to the world by Cobain and Company. Today on Discographology, Nirvana's 1992 compilation album, Incesticide. music it just ha- it just so happens that um most of the songs that we wrote at the time the bleach album was coming out were were more abrasive songs we play a very powerful high energy type of rock and roll It wouldn't matter if we were speaking in tongues. Oh, yeah, I mean you were mine. 
say that. Do you like Blondie? Do you like Devo? It doesn't matter if you're an underground band or an above-ground band or a sea-level band or a seaweed band or something. I mean, they're like poppy songs, but we're not like a pop band, you know, but... Today we're going to talk about Incesticide, which is a compilation album that came out in 1992, late in 1992, and it has a lot of different uh, different stuff on it. Uh, does anybody have any any initial well, thoughts be- about before we Incesticide? before we jump into that? I was going to mention uh, that uh, since since we've been kind of talking about it before in these other episodes, that the date it came out, December fifteenth, nineteen ninety two, the number one song was "I Will Always Love You" by Whitney Houston. And, uh, you know, as a compilation album coming out after Nevermind, which had multiple singles and was everywhere, they they decided not four singles, four singles. Is that how many? Yeah, I think so. Um, they, they did decided not to promote this one as much. Um, although I did notice they did shoot a new video for Sliver, um, with, which has Dave Grohl in it, despite the fact that he's not on the track and uh, the album did debut at number 51 on the charts eventually went platinum. So it was pretty successful, even though um, maybe it wasn't promoted as heavily as nevermind or in utero would be. And so as far as background, there's not really a lot we need to say up top because it's sort of, uh, each song has every its own song sort of tells background. a story. <laughs> uh, so, as far as our, our relationship with this album, uh, this was one that I really had not listened to all the way through before. I knew a few songs, obviously, like Sliver or Aneurysm, but I did not know probably half of the tracks before listening to it in the last month or so. Um, so this is, I'm sort of a first time listener to about half of these songs and the other half I sort of knew just from them being, uh, in, in the ether, so to speak. Um, Matt, what's your relationship with, uh, with this album? I have heard this, uh, this album. I had the CD for a while. Um, definitely not one that I got in my initial, uh, Nirvana onboarding period, um, you know, where I was wearing out, never mind, and, and in utero, but uh, heard it relatively early in high school, certainly, and, um, you know, r- really liked it. I always am a sucker for uh, the, the, the lesser known songs, so it, it's, um, it was a lot of fun to, to revisit stuff that I hadn't heard in a while. I mean, I had probably only heard, you know, something like Big Long Now two or three times ever. So, you know, in the uh, several times that I've, I've listened to this, uh, this record in preparation for the episode, it's, it's been neat to kind of, you know, get into those nooks and crannies that, uh, that I wasn't as familiar with. Uh, Logan, am, am I completely 
remembering wrong that that you have said at one point at least that this is your favorite Nirvana record? You are correct. This is my favorite Nirvana record. Interesting. That's a hot take. I seem to just Serve have a up. whole lot of those. I've it's been no, very humbling. Hot hot takes are great. I just I I don't think I've heard that opinion. Blake, what uh what's your relationship with this album? I am kind of in the Josh boat. This Josh boat. Was, Come on in. Yeah, the water's fine. Uh why is there water in a boat? Um, oh god, we're sinking. Uh, yeah, we uh I as a youth, I didn't have this one. I had the three studio L- studio LPs, right? Somehow I just skipped out on this one. Not sure why, but this is my first. I, I knew some of the songs, uh, you know, like uh, Nevermind Deluxe uh, Edition has, has several of these. These can be found in a few other places. I, But maybe like half the songs like Josh, I had not heard before. So I feel like I have less to say about this album because it was not formative for me. It's it's new to me for the most part. Yeah, it's uh this this will this one will be a bit different because I just not as familiar with it. Didn't have a relationship with it in my youth, even in his youth, <laughs> is not on this record. But it's it's from that from this era. What is on this record? Uh, uh, does anybody have anything else to, to say about? Well, I was going to say, Lo- Logan, I know you said it was your favorite, and we'll talk more about the sort of la- uh, our ratings and such later, but how did you come to this album, Logan? Like, when so, did you first hear it? This is the first Nirvana album that I purchased. I went to my, I lived at Lake of the Ozarks and went to my local record store. It was mainly just CDs, but it was a music outlet. And all the CDs there usually were eleven ninety nine, and uh, <laughs> so that was cool. But I remember I was flipping through the Nirvana CDs, and I got sucked in by the cover. I was yes. like, "Holy shit, that is that art really creepy." And I <laughs> had heard aneurysm on a late night radio station, and it had blown me away. And I noticed that that song was on there and I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I really wanted, I, I love that song. So I bought it because it had aneurysm on there. And that's really, I had heard Nirvana before, you know, but I never really dug in. And it was my first actual album that I bought on CD from uh, Nirvana. So side one, track one is Dive. Let's dive into the album. <laughs> I went, sorry, I, it, it would have it would have been funnier. It would have been funnier if I said it earlier, but I wanted to say, well, we can, let's dive in. We can still Mail say this it. joke to five minutes ago. We can totally <laughs> redo it. We can totally, yeah. It is ours you, okay, for the here, taking. Here we go. Are you guys ready to talk about the album? Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Totally. All right. Let's dive in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. All right, so, track one, dive, dive. Uh, dive. and uh, dive is one that was recorded at Smart Studios in Wisconsin with Butch Vig for that planned second sub pop album. 
um, that same session that a few other uh, songs were recorded uh, what would, for what would become Nevermind. Dive was released then as the B-side to the Sliver single by Sub Pop in 1990. And Dive is one that I was not super familiar with when I, I listened to it for this. And I have to say, it kind of grew on me over time. At first, I wasn't big on it. And then it really, the more I listened to it, the more I got into it. And I really, a couple of the things I really like about it um, was I noticed that um, I, I think the lyrics on this one are pretty good. And I know that's it's weird because they're so simple, but I feel like uh, they do a good job of doing this mixture of this sort of abstract thing where you don't know exactly what he's talking about, but at the same time you can kind of suss out that it's probably about a relationship and the sort of idea of relationships in general. And, and so I like that sort of mixture of the specific kind of like how sliver it's very clear, like this is what the song is about, but it's also not so abstract that you're kind of trying to figure it out. So I, it's kind of this middle ground, which I like. And I also like the way that the music sort of ratchets up with each iteration of dive in the chorus, the way it sort of, you know, it is that dive, dive, like it's ascending. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are, those are my thoughts. I like the, the bass as well. Um, under the guitar riff, uh, of the solo, if you listen, the bass kind of mirrors the guitar riff of the solo a little bit. It it gives it a different voicing. Yeah, no, you're totally right, Josh. The, the, uh, bass and guitar kind of dual solo is, is a great, a great feature of this. Um, yeah, this is this is a great one. Uh, it's Chad Channing. I think you mentioned that, Josh, uh, on drums. Um, I actually have the the seven inch uh, from Sub Pop of that dive and, and sliver single, and you know I I really like this one. Uh, it's one I probably remember more than some of the other songs on this, but uh, you know it's it's the the tried and true uh, bass and feedback intro. Um, I hope I hope I'm not I'm not uh, uh, stealing somebody's boggle word with 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 that observation, but um, I like the the ringing seventh. You know they 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 kind of walk it down the dun 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 down. Um, it, it's just a ri- uh, it reminds me of of blue a little bit. Um, kind of that that ring out on that seventh chord. The and, Eiffel sixty five song. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm blue. Abba di abba di abba di. That's what you're trying to say. Abba di abba di. Hey, obla di obla da. What? Obla di obla dive. Um, but uh, Bla- Blake, what do you think? Um, I think it's one of the better songs on this comp. But man, it it sure is hard to follow up. Smells like Teen Spirit as a uh track one huh like <laughs> i would hate to be the, the follow-up starter track in the the record that they put out right after Nevermind. you know what i'm saying yeah it's, it's, it's a, a tough shoe to fill yeah it and it's like i was wondering when i was listening like did any like young people buy this thinking it was just like, like the follow-up studio lp to um to never mind. I did. They, Surely someone must oh, have. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure Logan. I did. I was probably like in the seventh grade and bought it. I was like, oh, I mean, I bought it for the freaking cover, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just thought Which it was- we should uh, get into later. It wasn't until later that I found out that it was a comp. Yeah. And it, 
if I thought I, I probably would have assumed it was just uh, that, but I, I feel like I'd, I'd be like, well, this is, this is kind of a, a weird direction for them to take after uh, smells like teen spirit and all that, but it, it was recorded before. It sounds kind of like uh, this song is kind of like uh, somewhere between uh, bleach and nevermind sound. It's, it's kind of like a, a bleach 1.5. Yeah, which makes sense. I mean, it's recorded in that session following Bleach to yeah. you know as the planned second sub pop album. So I, I can kind of I agree with you on that, and I can kind of see uh, how how and it I kind would, of fits in their their discography. Considering yeah. this is the the uh, every drummer record, um, you know, I, I, I oh, don't yeah, I should... always hate on Chad Channing, but uh, um, I, I, I feel good. like this is a weaker Chad Channing performance, and it kind of weakens the song because of it well, really um, huh yeah well, i don't well, i don't, I I don't felt, get that but but what specifically does he do that you don't like on this he song? sprinkles that sugar with that symbol that i was talking about <laughs> that he does that, thing. that sugary buttery bass roll <laughs> talking about no i think uh th- this song is is very muscular is the word that comes to mind and although the drum part is is very basic and rudimentary i i feel that I felt that Chad kind of kind of bangs it out in this one. I mean, the the sound that they got was good and and tough. I, uh, yeah, I, go ahead. The 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 verse part I like. I think it's the the, the chorus that that kind of takes me out of it a little bit. And but but you know of that that's probably the only bad thing I could I could say about it. Uh, though, uh, what what else do you think, Blake? Just it's it's exceedingly simple. And uh, oh, Josh, we're talking about the. Uh, the bass in the, in the the sort of solo bridge section. I thought it was interesting how both it starts with the bass doing a harmony of the main riff, and then the guitar doubles that that harmony of like the the main opening riff. It's just kind of an interesting interesting thing to do in lieu of a guitar solo. I agree. Logan, what are your thoughts on Dive? I love Dive. I think it's uh, one of my favorite. Nirvana songs. I catch myself sing, singing it a lot. But here's the deal. I feel like I really wish that this would have been the opener to Bleach instead of Blue. I think mm. this opening Bleach would have been better because they then they wouldn't have had to follow up uh, you know, against Smells Like Teen Spirit. But yeah. I, I love it. I think it should have been the opener for Bleach, but I think it was probably recorded maybe a little after, but yeah. still still yes. around the same time. But that's just my opinion. Uh, I really like this song, though. I, I dig it. I actually, that reminds me, I was going to say, since this was recorded as sort of part of the planned follow-up to Bleach for what would become Nevermind, do you think this song would fit on Nevermind? No. Yeah, I... I agree no, with that. It's kind I don't of a leading so. question, but <laughs> it's it. I yeah, I don't either. But I agree with what Logan's saying. I think it would fit on Bleach. Like I feel I think like, it'd be great on Bleach. I, yeah, it would be the it would be one of the best songs on Bleach if it, yeah. if it was on it. Yeah, for sure. All right, I'm still uh, calling it Bleach 1.5. <laughs> it's on Bleach 1.5. Those smart studio sessions doesn't be, quite belong on Bleach to me. Doesn't quite belong. I mean, on that's what the smart one. sessions are. I mean, it's it's eight, yeah, eight you're tracks. Right. So. All right, yeah. the second song on Incesticide is Sliver. We're, Mom and Dad are going to a show, guys, and That's we're right. going to talk about this song. Mom and Dad went to a show 
dropped me off at Grandpa Joe's. I kicked and screamed, so please So Sliver was written uh, during a rehearsal with new drummer Dan Peters in 1990. And Kurt said that he wanted to write, quote, the most ridiculous pop song to prepare people for the next record. Because he saw it as, you know, they were going more in this pop direction. And so he said he wanted to write a song that would kind of lay the groundwork for that. It was recorded by Jack Endino, our old pal from Bleach. During a session Jack and Dino was doing with the band Tad, uh, apparently Nirvana showed up and just used Tad's instruments to quickly record <laughs> the song. Over a lunch get, break. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're like, take a hike, Tad, we're here to record a song. Um, it's the only song Dan Peters plays drums on, in the only recorded song that they released that Dan Peters played drums on. Uh, and it was released as a single by Sub Pop in 1990. And uh, it, it is uh, probably one of the best known songs on Incesticide, I would say. It was uh, fairly well received. And I think it's on the greatest hits as well of Nirvana and gets some, some radio play, I want to say. It's even name checked in one of the one of the new releases. Uh, the best of the box set, I think, is is mm-hmm. it's Sliver, Sliver colon best of the box. Which, by the way, the song is called Sliver. The thing I read online was that Kurt Cobain called it that because he was hoping people would accidentally call it Silver, which I still don't understand why. <laughs> why is I was that wondering the thing about that title? People will call it Silver. Ha ha ha. So I was like, what does Sliver have to do with the subject matter? No clue. Uh, But the song, you know, is basically just a story about a boy, maybe Kurt Cobain, about a boy. I didn't even think about that. Uh, Who goes to his grandparents for the night, and uh, it's very linear narrative. Every verse kind of tells a little more of the story, starting with going to the grandparents, ending with coming home. Um, I love this song. Uh, It's one of my favorite Nirvana songs, uh, mainly because... I feel like it's sort of one of those that you can see as laying the sort of uh, groundwork for Weezer's DNA, and uh, and I love I love me some Weezer. So, uh, and actually, Rivers Cuomo did say this song had the biggest impact on his life in his twenties. Oh, I didn't know it. that. Yeah, I did not know that little tidbit. So, I mean, that <clears throat> kind of tells you a little bit about what the song kind of sounds like, and yeah, I just I just I just love this song. Um, very. I don't know if simple is the right word, but it's just a very sort of pop grunge song. Um, Matt, what are your thoughts on Sliver? Sliver is great. I I mentioned that I have the the seven inch uh, and it was a lot of fun to throw that on and, you know, kind of think about uh, what it would be like, you know, to be in 1991 and, and, and get this and, and, and put it on. Um, You know, Josh, you you talked about the poppiness, of course, you know, it it does have that those pop elements. Um, I really like how the they start the intro just a couple of BPM slower. And then when it picks up it, uh, um, you know, it it, it moves a little quicker. It's just kind of a fun little uh, little element. Um, The the scream at the end, uh, he, they, they do the same, he does the same trick on lounge act. Well, it's not a trick. It's, it's a great, uh, uh, device. Uh, the third verse he sings up an octave higher is, yep. is, is, is a, a great little detail. 
Is that the verse where he says, I killed my toe? I killed there's my a, toe. There's a, <laughs> yeah, there's a line. I never knew it was in there. It's the one where the verse about the grandma tells him to go quit your crying, go outside, ride a bike or whatever. He screams, I killed my toe. Killed my toe. <laughs> Which I guess means I stubbed my toe. I didn't know that was a lyric until I looked it up. I, I had not looked <laughs> I up those words, but yeah, that that was what I was thinking. Well, and th- they do both the 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 octave higher vocals, and then the, at the same octave, they do kind of the clean verse uh, for the uh, the after dinner I had ice cream, um, and right. then the the best part, my favorite part of the whole song is how they hang they they carry over the uh, woke up in my mother's arms scream into. Uh, and over the grandma take me home coming back, it's just such a you know it's so propulsive and and just you, you know it's fun. Uh, we talked about Dan Peters. You can really hear that it's a different um, and and kind of you know stylistically uh, uh, unique or 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 at least you know differentiated uh, drummer. Uh, Dan Peters also uh, played for Mud Honey, and you know that that's one of the reasons that that he didn't continue with Nirvana was that, uh, if, if he did that, you know, mud hunting would pretty much not be able to be a band anymore. But, um, I, I noticed, you know, you definitely notice that, it, uh, he's doing a lot of, you know, kind of bass drum eighth notes or, you know, Blake, you can probably speak, uh, speak more to this. This may have been something you noticed or, or maybe not, but, uh, Sliver is just a, a great track. Uh, what do you think, Blake? I like how it belongs to, uh, the canon of Nirvana's kids' songs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Kid-friendly. <laughs> Josh Mitchell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of the... I From the perspective of um, a child, this this time the child is really upset about being at their grandparents' house. That's what I took from it. Uh, it's wild that there's a song that the chorus is just Grandma Take Me Home repeated. Um, but like pretty pretty catchy as a as a pop song um kind of weird as a as a nirvana song i mean it 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 does and it doesn't sound like a nirvana song but like it's i don't know it's just super super quick pop uh, i don't it's hard to describe uh i i also noticed the uh the thing that they employ a lot the from the from the third verse on is that high octave screaming and i really like that and gotta show the off the fourth pipes. verse i guess yeah, he's like, oh, I, I was, I was actually doing my uh, my low register. You didn't know I had this <laughs> this high thing up here. Then the fourth verse, uh, it drops the drum and bass, and he's still screaming. I, I also dug that. Super, super minimal, uh, again, but still, still good. I think silver is pretty decent. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I think this is a top tier Nirvana song. I will ag- agree that it kind of almost doesn't sound like a Nirvana song, but it just carves out such a relatable slice of childhood, I think. And the repetition of Grandma Take Me Home can almost almost wear out its welcome, but I think it slides by <laughs> because of the descriptive and charming verses. There's a lo- there's a lot of gold in those verses, I feel like. And, the harmonies as well. I, I don't mean yeah. to interject, Logan. Just the harmonies on the Grandma Take Me Home really work. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the lyrical simplicity, you know, just kind of offers like a childlike directness that I th- I kind of appreciate in this song. And uh, yes. 
but I also think it's a great opening bass riff by by Chris. Uh, I think that's a really really cool part. <laughs> but no, I think this is a. It's one of my favorite. I I put it in the top tier Nirvana songs. Uh, it's. I, I'm surprised that it's a B side. It was. It was. It was the A side, I believe. Wasn't it the A? Because Dive was, was the B side. Oh, d- was it? Okay, that is. Yeah, that is it correct. was the sing. Yeah. It was it's the a single, single well, A side to a single, but not an album. Yeah, track. it wasn't. No, on, not on an, an album. album. Track. Yeah, yeah B side for not making it on an album, but yeah, one of the best. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Stain and Stain. I love Stained. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, this is Stained. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I we can cut this if we want, but. Uh, it's total no. side note, but uh, at my uh, my at my brother's ex-wife's parents' house, they had a big harp, and I remember when <laughs> I was in high school, every time I went by this harp, <laughs> I would play the baseline intro to uh, Mud Shovel because it was tuned to that, so you could do the what the hell? All right. Anyway, so weird. Next up is Stain. was recorded for the Blue EP in 1989 with Chad Channing. That was the EP that was the follow-up to Bleach. Um, I noticed a lot of reviews basically compare this song in terms of lyrical content to Negative Creep off of Bleach. Uh, Both are kind of about this individual who uh, Mm -hmm. maybe has a a bad reputation. Um, I did find one thing interesting. I I was listening to it today and I was like, I just noticed the verses are all in, I think it's second person, right? Because it's saying, uh, he is this, he is that. Isn't that second person? That's He's third. bad luck. So, is, that, is, is that third or is that second? Second is you. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. So it's a, the, the verses are in third and then the choruses are all in first person mm-hmm. saying, I'm a stain. So I was like, is this song about the narrator slash singer or is it someone else? Who? What are they talking about? Um, but I like that ambiguity, I guess. Uh, it, it doesn't harm the song at all for, for me. Um, I, I really liked the, the in the guitar solo. If you listen closely, it, it sounds like they kind of overdubbed another guitar solo under it to kind of do some little harmonic stuff with it, um, even though the guitar solo seems so messy and, and sort of not melodic in a lot of ways it seems like they kind of added this other part that adds a little more complexity to it and then the other thing i noticed was i really liked the bass tone in the chorus it's really clear and cuts through a lot and i don't know if the bass is just mixed differently than some of the other tracks i mean obviously this is off of a the blue ep which i haven't listened to the blue ep so i don't know what the bass sounds like on the other stuff. But this one, I just noticed the bass really cuts through on the chorus and you can hear that really well. And it has a really good, a really good tone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree with you, uh, Josh on, on that bass tone. Um, yeah, th- this one's a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, it's kind of a, kind of a middle of the pack, uh, song for me, but, uh, you know, I definitely hear those, those similarities with, with negative creep, you know, even both lyrically and, 
in the manner of delivery. You know, this is out of my reach. Well, he never sleeps. You know, it's it's kind of the same same cadence. Um, I love the because uh, he's got bad luck. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, line. <laughs> that, that sounded a little yeah. bit more butt than I, than I uh, anticipated, <clears throat> but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I also uh, noticed the noise solo is, you know, kind of weird and frantic and fun, you know, and amongst all of those kind of, you know, really hard edged elements, it, it still has those um, those climbing vocal harmonies uh, on the uh, the I'm a stain, I'm a stain uh, that uh, that really work for me also. Um, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts. Um love the lo, love a good i'm a big piece of shit song like, <laughs> like negative creep um which was one of my funny. favorites from bleach so of course i love to hear one in the same vein kanye west runaway as well <laughs> doesn't that song i have a what, piece of shit music kind of well, kanye make up your mind are you like uh the the best rapper in the world or are you a piece of shit <laughs> um cut that out i'm saying that to myself later in the future <laughs> I Note to say. I like the overall <laughs> I like the overall sound of this recording and I I I guess I just like the sound of that session the the blue EP was its own session I'm assuming. Yeah, I don't I'm trying to think if there's any other With songs Chad? on this album from Yeah, Chad's the drummer. Yes. Yeah, was it just like in the reciprocal in 80 80- Nine it or was when? definitely, I think, Jack and Dino. Yeah, there's no other songs from the Blue EP on Incesticide. Okay, interesting. So. Well, I just I like the sound of this one, um, and I put down that this this is definitely a a Bleach 2.0. Yeah, but sure. but the blue the blue EP is Bleach 2.0. So I didn't really need to come up with a a silly little moniker for it. I didn't have a whole lot of thoughts on this one. Um, it's an another one that I wasn't too familiar with or at all familiar with and, until recently so it's not yet uh in in my in my brain well Logan, what i do you think? i think that stain is just a straightforward jam it's you know it's not top tier but it deserves a place in the catalog so i i think there's a cool solo and the i'm a stain part is kind of a earworm for me i also get a kick out of the grunts you know the <laughs> i <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that, Logan. Uh, he, he he does it on dive as well, and I forgot to mention it for that. But uh, the, the the grunts are a lot of fun. Oh yeah, I would definitely crank this one. I think it. I think it's a fun fun jam. Cool. Next up, we've got Benna Sun. I feel like it sounds like it's one word, been a son, been a son. So, <laughs> I've been a son. Been a son was been a reco- son. recorded exactly. uh, in it. a BBC, at least this version of it is from a yeah. BBC session in 1991 with Dave Grohl. They had recorded been a son for the blue EP. Um, and actually, oh, yeah, it's another one, for- it, but this recording is, Oh, you're right. You're right. Is this you're right. Live? So this, 
this recording's from the BBC, yeah, with with Dave Grohl drumming, uh, whereas the Blue EP version would be a Chad Channing. I actually haven't listened to that version. Supposedly, I, I checked both it versions. Does it sound very similar as far as uh, the drums it, go? Or uh, it, it definitely sounds similar. Up. I mean, I would rather listen to this version, but uh, yeah. but you know, everything's there. And and Dave has mentioned that you know he just plays uh, Chad's parts straight on a lot of these. That well, he kind of you know it took over. And the version with Chad Channing playing drums from the Blue EP is actually the version that's on Nirvana's Greatest Hits. <laughs> they really? chose that one, yeah, which is interesting to me, given Dave Grohl's sort of uh, place as sort of the the drummer in Nirvana Legacy. Um, reportedly, when they recorded the Blue EP version of this song, they were super excited at hearing the way it sounded on this nice equipment. They like danced around while they listened to it. Um, which I thought was, was interesting. Uh, so this, this is another one of my favorites, uh, off this album, this and sliver I'd say are two, uh, so far two of my favorites. Um, pretty obviously about sexism, patriarchy. I I noticed that it's, it's another one that's got third person like stain where it's sort of about another individual, you know, uh, Kurt is saying, telling somebody about telling the audience about this uh, individual and sort of what they're going through. And the song just, I don't know, really doesn't wear out. It's welcome. It's less than two minutes and sort of gets in, gets out, um, makes its point um, really good. And I, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, the only thing I was kind of wondering about is if you noticed on the guitar solo, I don't know if anybody else noticed this. It sounds like the solo is just the same riff. They just, doubled it <laughs> like put an effects pedal on it and doubled it and it's oh, the same yeah. riff i was like did did I they just like go the like case. we don't have a solo here just play the riff a few more times and we'll just beef it up a little bit and that'll be the solo um <laughs> pretty much i don't know but i mean i guess it was a live recording it was bbc so that it wasn't like they could do a lot of overdubs or anything but yeah i i, I love this one um what do you guys think I think that uh, that that's a tried and true trick for uh, guitar solos. I think it turns out really well. I I hear some some bass solo uh, uh, in that also. I, I think Chris is going to town on it. Um, this song's great. Uh, you know, you mentioned it's it's a quick in and out. You know, under under two minutes. Um, the the Beatles harmonies are you know in full effect and and working out. Um, one, one, uh, difference that I did notice in listening to the, the two different versions is that they, he, he switches the, um, the lyrics around, um, on the blue EP, uh, the, the last line is, uh, she should have fallen on her stance and, um, uh, and then on, on this version, it's, uh, had, she should have had another chance and, um, you know, he, he kind of does three things that, that she should be able to do. Here, one moment, and I'll bring up the lyrics. Okay. The first three lines are things that, you know, she presumably should have done. She should have stayed away from friends. She should have had more time to spend. She should have died when she, died when she was born. And then the fourth line is kind of a more uh, abstract thing. She should have worn a clown, crown of thorns. The second verse, you know, stood out in the crowd, made her mother proud, uh, fallen on her stance and had another chance that that's the line that, that got switched for this version. But I, I really like, really like those lyrics. I, I like kind of the, the three plus one, um, device that, that he uses and, you know, it, it's just a, a really good tune. A lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. It's a good song. Yeah. And it, it is, it is third, third person, of course, talking about, um, the, uh, the collective, uh, marginalized woman, uh, 
what if it were sung from the perspective of uh like a a mr mustache uh father type figure who is just so angry that uh, <laughs> he had a daughter instead of a son, right? Am I way off base? No, I here? think that I that He's without kind of really looking at the that. lyrics yeah. very specifically, that's what I my initial takeaway was as well. It's funny you say yeah, Mister Mustache, though. I have a uh, something connected to that a little later. I I'm always down to hear more Mister Mustache lore. Kurt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kurt clearly really <laughs> hated these um, misogynistic dad types, and and I'm all I'm all about it. Um, I love that this comes blasting out of the gate as the first Dave Grohl song on the record, and I immediately notice that the the production is I, I really dig the production on this group of songs here with Grohl. Um, even though I guess it's like a a, a live BBC thing, it sounds yeah. There's good actually to two different studio. BBC yeah. sessions, by the way should mention this is right. from the first the first one on the album i don't think it's actually the first one they did but yeah right yeah i ahead, so. i think it was yeah. the first one josh because i think this was um and we'll have to go back and qc this but uh i believe that this was on january 1st of 1991 that that they played this with him and uh the second bbc Matt, session was appeal session it was appeal session in 1990 excuse yeah. me I was like Fuck that. You, that, that timeline Fuck doesn't you. line up. Um, <laughs> okay, cut. cut I, 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 I'm keeping. I'm keeping it in, doubling it. Uh, it I listened to, for, to both for, versions of. I listened to both versions of Ben a Son, and he he ben does uh, mostly do the the same. It's mostly the same song, um, except uh, that it's sped up a lot, uh, and it's a lot more brief in this version. And it's it sounds a bit dirtier for the blue EP, which makes sense. But uh, but uh, both versions are are decent, I think. Uh, yeah, a simple song that that works. I don't have much else to say on it. I wonder what Frances Bean like the first time that she maybe heard this song, how she reacted. Oh, <laughs> oh God, oh God. <laughs> yeah, actually, now you make me think about it. I I guess this okay. It was definitely written. And recorded before she was born, because I think she was born in '92. I mean, it's it's but, obviously not about, about no, her, but yeah, I just no, no, like no, no, no. it'd just yeah. be kind of funny to imagine that, like, if she like the first time she like maybe mistook it or whatever, like, oh no, uh, but <laughs> I I like this song. Uh, I think there's some really weird ass bass playing in the middle section. I think that's real funky. Um, and it's a quick but appreciated dive into the you know fighting patriarchy and gender norms, and I I appreciate that as well. And I also love I love I'm enamored with the guitar parts. The guitar parts are just amazing. Uh, the opening riff it just has a lot of swagger to it, and I think it gives it a little bit of an edge. And it's it's really upbeat too. I, I mean it's it's an upbeat track. So I thumbs up for me. And actually, this might be a good time to mention, uh, with the sort of feminism of this song, the liner notes for Incesticide, which which rather famously had, uh, they were written by Kurt Cobain, had a message in it, though, where he wrote about, you know, if you hate women or gay people, don't come to our shows, don't buy our records, like, which, I mean, in, in today's day and age doesn't seem as much of like a big thing, but at that time was uh, kind of a 
interesting stance, sort of a very yeah progressive stance for someone who t- in his position to take. You know, coming off Nevermind, right. this huge album that everybody bought to 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 put this message out there, basically saying like, "Hey, if you <laughs> think these things, fuck off." So yeah, it, it's crazy how uh, that that was quite quite a statement uh, at that time, and you know, within it within a scene that might have had a lot of misogyny and homophobia in it but it's it's so weird that artists are still having this conversation and saying these same things like on social media like listen if you love cops and hate gay people uh stop listening to my music or what you wonder how many people still listen to nirvana though that hold those beliefs you know what i mean oh well we'll (laughs) hear about it like well i didn't know that was what the song was about for sure. I think uh I think recently Seth Rogan was posting some BLM stuff and some total assholes were commenting and he was like, You're not allowed to watch my movies anymore, asshole. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sim- similar thing going on. Okay, next up we get to our first cover on the album, which is Turnaround. Who said don't look back? Don't believe him. Go for that crazy sound restaurant. They're gonna try and get behind you. Don't you let them do it. You know what I'm talking about? You hear me talking? You hear me talking? And Turnaround is a Devo cover. It's a cover of a Devo song that was actually the B side to Devo's Whip It was sort of their their big breakthrough mm. single. This is from the John Peel sessions for the BBC. Um, this is actually Dave Grohl's first. Now, uh, this is something maybe we should fact check, but what I had read was this was Dave Grohl's first recording session he had done with Nirvana was this Peel session they had done. Um, so this what you're hearing on Turnaround, as well as some of the other songs on this, are his first session. And Oof. apparently uh, Kurt had written a letter to uh, Eugene Kelly of the Vaselines, who we'll talk about shortly, uh, saying that he wanted to release a record called Nirvana Sings the Vaselines, Wipers, Devo, and Nirvana. <laughs> Um, And obviously that never came to fruition, but uh, basically that became the uh, 1992 EP released in Australia and Japan called the Hormoning EP, which includes Turnaround as well as some other songs um, on it that are on Incesticide. Incesticide includes basically the Hormoning EP. Uh, as it was released. I, I thought it was interesting, by the way, Robert Criscow, the, the sort of famous music critic, said that the hormoning EP was better than Bleach because without Dave Grohl, Nirvana are a bunch of sludge monkeys, was the phrase he used. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really, you know, monkeys. sludge monkeys. sludge monkeys. Um, and Kurt loved Devo. He said, quote, of all the bands who came from the underground and made it in the mainstream, Devo were the most challenging and subversive of all they're just awesome i love them and uh yeah this this is one that i didn't know before the listen through in the last month um i really didn't know it was a devo song and 
this one really grew on me at first. I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. And I think the two parts that really grabbed me are the breakdown when it's just the fuzz bass and vocals. And then the way the drums kick back in on that part, you guys know what I'm talking about. Yes. And it just goes to the with the, the vocals. And yeah. then at the very end of the song, when it stops and Kurt just has the, it's pretty scary line, like after the, the end of the music, I, I love that as well. And there's also something to me just about the way Kurt sings this song that sounds almost happier than he does on any other song. He sounds like very sort of forthright and just like, he's really trying to do almost like a front man kind of thing, which I think I mean, is interesting. He's doing Devo. Yeah, and I mean, if you listen to the Devo version, a lot of what I just mentioned is in the Devo version as well. It's it's not necessarily yeah. embellishments on the part of Nirvana, but I, I think they did take that Devo song and really amp a lot of it up. Um, and I would have never heard it probably without this Nirvana version. But yeah, so I this is one that really grew on me to the point that at first I was like, I don't know if I like it, and then it ended up being one that I really liked on this album. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It, it was definitely one that I had not heard as much, um, you know, certainly only a handful of times probably. And uh, I I really like it. Um, I was I did not know the uh, the Devo song, and you know, I of course I I went back and uh, and you know kind of listened to it for comparison. And I don't know how to describe it other than the sonically what they do, what Nirvana does, you know, is definitely different than the Devo song, but it is in the same spirit. You know, it's, it's a really good cover because it's, you know, it's something that the band likes and they, they, they make their own while still, you know, maintaining, you know, kind of the, the elements and, 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 and themes of, of the original work. The, the fuzz bass is just killer. You know, it just, it just sounds, sounds like a buzzsaw. Um, but, uh, I, I don't really have a lot to say about it other than, you know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a great track and I'm, I'm, I'm glad to, to have it back, you know, kind of in, uh, in the front of my mind after, you know, never, he- you know, not hearing it for 25 years, well, 15 years. Yeah. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say either, but, uh, as a person who really likes Devo, I, I hadn't, uh, I hadn't heard this one. And I guess that's because I didn't know it was a B-side to to whip it. Because uh, I was like, it wasn't on the albums that I like. But that being said, if uh, if you want to imitate a mechanical clockwork up-tempo Devo beat, uh, Dave Grohl is apparently the guy who, to nail it. Who are you going to call? He really, yeah, but, but Dave Grohl. Uh, he really makes it his drum beat in combination with the way the guitars are doing a a kind of uh octave leaping thing i don't know if i'm describing it right but it it really uh invokes that sound of the of the drum machine and the devo synths uh even though i wasn't familiar with the devo song whatsoever i was like oh i hear the devo in the dna so to speak L- love that uh love that mechanical beat on it though but yeah uh, other than that uh resident uh Devo aficionado Logan, what, what do you think? Oh, I would I wouldn't say I'm That's an aficionado. Title. I I don't know about that, but no, I I didn't really know that this was a Devo song, honestly, and uh, I was really surprised at this uh, 
this round of listening to it. Surprised that I didn't know that, but uh, it's also my first time hearing the actual Devo version as well. So I, I thought they definitely made this like I hadn't heard that one. So, I, but I think Nirvana made it their own, and I really appreciate that. And it's faithful still, like you said, Matt, in in spirit. Uh, it's a really interesting choice, and it makes me appreciate their taste in music even more. And like you said, the bass fuzz—you know—that fuzz bass just sounds rad just killer so uh yeah i really enjoy this one especially now knowing that it's devo they are devo um are we not man okay uh the next track is more covers one of one more covers one of probably uh i i said that ben son's been my favorite and sliver but this is another one that's up there for me molly's lips Lips is a cover of the Scottish band The Vaselines, and Kurt loved The Vaselines uh, so much that there's two Vaselines covers on this album. He also named his daughter after one of the members of The Vaselines, Frances McKee, and this particular recording is from the same Peel session as Turnaround, and it was also on the Hormoning EP. Uh, apparently, I read that Nirvana, though, had actually released a different version of Molly's Lips as a single on Sub Pop earlier in 91. Kurt didn't really like that version that much, though. And according to the Vaselines, this song is about an actress that was on the BBC, Molly Weir, who I guess would uh, was on a kid's show called Rent-A-Ghost. And Molly Weir would wear bright red lipstick and had a pale white face as this character on this BBC kids show in the 70s and 80s called Rent-A-Ghost. And uh, Vaseline founder Eugene Kelly uh, in 2010 said, quote, Molly used to have this program before the news on Scottish TV where she'd tell stories from her childhood. She always struck us as a great character and we just wanted to sing a song about kissing her. (laughs) So I don't know. But uh, I... I I mean, I love this song. There's not really a ton to say about it. I love that it's sort of just these back and forth two chords, um, but still very catchy um, and melodic. I, I do wonder lyrically if one of the things that drew Kurt to this song, and I can't find anything online verifying if this is true or if there's you know, uh, what the meaning of this line is, but the line in the song about, you know, she told me she'd take me anywhere as long as I stay clean. And I I think probably in the Vaseline's version, it's more meant to be like a kid's kind of thing, you know, as long as I stay clean, like I don't get dirty. But I always wondered if Kurt kind of took a little bit of the drug meaning from it. I don't know if anybody else had that thought, but the the line, as long as I stay clean, just kind of stuck out to me as something I could see Kurt hearing and, and thinking like it's kind of a subversive relating. Um, to yeah. It. Relating to it and kind of having a subversive kick out of singing that line yeah, uh, a little bit, that. but 
but anyway, those are my thoughts on on Molly's lips. Um, and uh, Matt, I know I, I remember actually playing this one with you before. Um, we have played this back in yeah. the day. Uh, this being one of the Nirvana ones we would mess around on back in the day. So, what what are your thoughts on Molly's lips? I, I love Molly's lips. Not the um, song. Talk about her actual <laughs> talk, lips. Talk about Molly. Are we talking no. about Molly Ringwald? Molly Ringwald's <laughs> lips in the Stand miniseries. Yeah, I'm anyway. into it. Uh, <laughs> I like this song a lot. Um, it, you know, again, more uh, more harmonies that that really work out. Um, you know, I, I love the the, the Mo- kiss kiss Molly's lips harmonies uh, in in particular. Um, it's another really quick one. I think I don't have the the time in front of me, but uh, I think it's also under two minutes. You know, minute fifty five or something. So kind of another uh, child friendly unit shifter quick pop song that yeah. that's just uh, yeah you know, a, a lot of fun to, to listen to. And I, and I'm sure a lot of fun to, to play and, and to sing. Um, I think it was in the, 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 the cross book, the Charles cross book, uh, Kurt had mentioned that, uh, when they were on tour in, uh, the UK, they, they played this, uh, with Francis McKee and it was one of his proudest moments. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I feel good that he got to, to do that and, 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 you know, kind of, uh, experience that with with one of his you know if not idols but you know someone who who he wanted to emulate uh blake what do you think it's a catchy little number it's a catchy um, little tune i wasn't as familiar with this as other nirvana hits so it's not as near and dear to me as as most but uh it it's catchy uh matt did pick up on what i was thinking uh i didn't know the backstory to this at all about the TV character Molly, but it it does it it almost could go even though it's not their song in the canon of of a uh, kid friendly unit shifter uh, from a kid's perspective just wanting to uh, kiss a TV star. When I read that story, it, it kind of remind kind of reminded me of being a little kid and uh, watching uh, Mister Rogers. And any, any, did anybody else have a thing for uh, Lady Averlyn? Was that her name? Uh, just the <laughs> In the neighborhood of make believe, you know, just you know, being a kid and watching that, TV. I wanted to and... kiss that fucking king. I saw that <laughs> yeah, king. I, was like, I thought you were going to say one of the puppets, <laughs> like the old but, hag. But my heart belongs to Lady Elaine Fairchild. <laughs> <laughs> oh my terrifying God. puppet! <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh... go go look up a picture of Lady Elaine Fairchild. I know what you're puppet, talking about. Yeah. It is it, freaking. Yeah, terrifying. is that is that the old is that the old hag puppet at, at the museum go round? Oh man, yeah. That, that's all I have to say about Molly's lips. Logan, uh, what do you it, think? Uh, I don't have a lot to say about it. I think that it's a very catchy song. It's another interesting cover choice, and I'm kind of starting to get a little fascinated with his cover choice here. I I heard the original, but I think I don't know. I might be biased, but I've heard the Nirvana version way more, and I really prefer prefer it. But, is the, uh, the original is like very twee, isn't it? Isn't it yeah, like, like acoustic I, guitar? It, like, yeah. It's an acquired taste, I think, but I, I haven't spent too much time with it. I've only listened to it like once, so... My first judgment of it was kind of just like, well, that's not as good as the Nirvana song, but... Uh, <laughs> I, I think dig. you're in good company there. I think most people would probably agree yeah. with you on that. I agree yeah. with you. 
So I, I prefer an upbeat. To, it's upbeat, yeah. quick. It, it's a yeah. Now Logan, kind of going off what Matt just said, um, quick top five puppets you want to fuck. Uh, <laughs> no comment. No Alf- Doctor Teeth, baby. All right. <laughs> to clarify, L- Lady Averlyn was a real person, whereas... Oh, was she? I thought yeah, she was. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Who, yeah, okay. Yeah, she she, was, was, she was going around talking to all of the weird puppets. Who was the old hag puppet? It was Lady Elaine Fairchild. You don't... <laughs> okay. Well, I can't keep these Welcome to Mr. Rogers' cast. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, next up on the album, we have another Vaseline's cover. I think it's interesting they put them back. Why two? Why right. two? Like this son of a gun. Son of a gun. A lot is... of Vaseline's content. Also from the same Peel session as the others, also on the Hormoning EP. Um, I could find very little about as far as like what this song was about. Um, I actually was confusing this for a long... Until this month, I thought this was a cover of The Laws song, Son of a Gun. Um, if you're heard of the British band The Laws and... Uh, I'd actually te- they their big hit was There She Goes, which was then covered by Sixpence None the Richer and became Oh yeah, hit. that's a good song. So I actually texted Matt about do you think that Kurt Cobain liked the Laws song There She Goes? <laughs> Cuz I thought Son of a Gun cuz there's a Laws song called Son of a Gun. Anyway, but the Vaseline song, which is the one that they they do on Incesticide, um, I, I, I like this one. Um, one thing I noticed is the chorus on this, and, and Logan, maybe you agree or disagree on this, I don't know, but the chorus on this sounds to me like the spitting image of Weezer. <laughs> like the drumming reminds me oh, so yeah. much of Patrick Wilson's drumming. The guitar tone reminds me of Rivers' tone. The singing sounds like Rivers' is singing. Like, if you play just the chorus for me, the, you know, the sun shines in your bedroom everyday part, I would think that maybe it was yeah. a Weezer song. No, I can, um, I can definitely hear that. And I like that. Uh, but I, I think I prefer Molly's lips between the two. Oh, um, really? Yeah, but I don't know. I, I mean, I do like this one quite a bit. It's, it's in my top incesticide songs, but I think I, I'd rather go with Molly's lips on it. But um, I don't know. What, what do you think, uh, Blake? Jeez, I wrote down like nothing here and this one is not fresh in my memory uh to be it's another kid friendly unit shifter it's uh oh is it it's the up up turn around around. yeah all i wrote down was these vaseline's covers don't thrill me uh i and that's my hot that's my hottest take um molly's lips is probably the the more memorable of the two if i had to pick but uh i didn't have a whole lot of time with this song but yeah, I don't. I don't know. Uh, they're not. Uh, they're not thrilling me. I imagine Blake listens to albums. He sits back with like a cocktail in his hand. And he's like, "Put on something no, that will this isn't thr- doing thrill it. me." I say, but does it not thrill? thrill. <laughs> the, his favorite album, Thriller. Don't say. It. <laughs> yeah. Logan, what are your thoughts on? Well, son of a gun. <laughs> I'd never heard of the Vaselines, but I kind of dig the 60s pop psychedelia meets folk rock or whatever you want to call it. 
it's super catchy, and I find myself singing quite a bit uh, along with it. And I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than Molly's Molly's lips. Actually, everything sounds awesome and super tight, and I think Kurt's voice really sounds relaxed and free. And I just dig the vocal harmonies. I just think those are really really cool. But yeah, I I was trying to figure out like what the deal was with the Vaselines. Was he? I don't know. So you're trying to promote really them a little bit more I, or like get well, them some I attention. If, and, and Matt, you've read more Nirvana books than I have. So you, you might speak to this, but I, I wonder if it's, I know he was, a, uh, you know, friends with Calvin Johnson, who was the founder and lead singer of beat happening, which beat happening was sort of the prototypical twee band of its time. Um, in, in Washington, and, and I think Toby Vale, his girlfriend, was in a band with Calvin uh, as well. And Beat Happening, to me, sound a little bit... Like, I can hear the connection between Beat Happening and the Vaselines. They sound very similar to me. So I kind of wonder if that's the connection there. Like, maybe he heard about them through Toby uh, and, you know, that kind of scene and, and got into them that way. I don't have any details specific to that in front of me but uh but that that sounds very plausible um you know and and i think it i think the fact that they are have really good melodies kind of you know is congruent with 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 kurt's overall you know kind of music aesthetic uh logan you mentioned the harmonies uh on on the chorus you know i i noted those as well uh you know they're they're a lot of fun and 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 his voice does sound you know very you know kind of melodic and, and, and smooth and, and free. Uh, the key Sounds change, happy. Yeah. He, he does sound happy. Uh, the key change I always thought was fun and, you know, they, they, they took it up, you know, a step and then, and then took it back to the original key. Um, what was kind of just a fun thing to do. And, you know, that, that was obviously, uh, you know, an element of the, of the, of the cover that they did. But, uh, um, I, I think the presence of the strong chorus, um, you know, ekes it out a little bit over Molly's lips for me as well. You know, in terms of sub rankings of favorite Nirvana Vaseline's covers, but um, but it, I, I like it a lot. That makes me. You just guys just reminded me of a couple of things. By the way, uh, I do want to mention. I looked it up. Beat Happening did play some shows with Vaseline's in in England, so I think that's probably the connection there. Um, one thing you guys reminded me, you said he sounded happy, and that's how I feel about on Turnaround. He sounds kind of happy on Turnaround. And I, I, I read a Pitchfork review of Incesticide where they were saying that this album kind of came out in the midst of this very dark period for Kurt, um, where you know all the fame oh. of Nevermind was, was sort of weighing on him. He was, they just, he just had the baby. Um, he just had Francis with, with Courtney and there was a lot of drama around that where CPS was coming in to take them because of drug, uh, supposedly having kind of a custody battle with them because of drug use. There and just, a there was vanity. a lot of dark shit going on. And so they, they were mentioning in this picture rev- fork review that this album comes out and it's almost like showing a pre fame Nirvana <laughs> and sort of, you can kind of see how they had a different, attitude almost pre you know never mind where they weren't quite as he wasn't maybe as depressed uh, at least in a dark place as he was later on within utero especially yeah. i could definitely see that this i feel like this whole album in general feels a little bit more upbeat uh especially compared to some of the songs on never mind 
you know, some of those darker ones like uh, something in the way or Polly, and it's totally different. Well, speaking, speaking of Polly <laughs> and things that are dark, uh, next up we've got new <laughs> wave so dark Polly. This version was recorded the same BBC session as the one that Benna's son is from with Dave Grohl. It's not the Peel session, but it's that Mark Goodyear session. This was an unreleased song before Incesticide. Um, obviously, Polly had come out, but this version had not come out before this uh, release. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this one. I mean, we talked in, in our Nevermind episode about what Polly is about and her sort of feelings on the lyrical content of that one. I think I mentioned in that one that I Polly was not one of my favorites on that album. I, I think this one I like a little better. I don't know. I yeah. go back and forth as to which version of Polly I like better, because I think in some ways that acoustic one probably captures the lyrical content a little better, you know, atmospherically. But I also feel like that one, as I said in that episode, was a little half-baked. Um, this one I feel is a little more, I don't know, fleshed out, but it, it I, I, I don't know. This is one that probably is not in my top tier of songs on this album. I forgot to mention this. Uh, when we talked about Polly the first time, the, uh, the, the Polly said kind of false start was an actual false start that, that they just left in. And I was, I was know, wondering about that. It, it was neat that they, that they carried that over here yep. to this as well. It kind of just became, you know, uh, part of the song. I, I, I'm sure that you know everybody has you know little moments of serendipity you know when you're recording that were mistakes but uh, end up being you know uh, really really neat uh, parts of of a song and I'm I'm glad that they that they stuck with that uh that said um th- this one doesn't do it for me as much um you know I I I think the the up tempo and you know kind of you know, more punk sensibility, you know, clashes a little bit for me with, with the, uh, with the lyrical content. Um, but, um, so yeah, I, I would say this is kind of, you know, uh, lower, lower tier on this record for me. Well, the first thing I wanted to know was this is called Polly in parentheses, new wave. Why is it called new wave when really it's pop punk? <laughs> I I almost made a pop a pop punk reference, uh, Blake, or or you know, and I they they probably didn't have the term pop punk then. Why didn't they but, throw some keyboards in there? Yeah, is this is the new wave? I mean, I'm sure it's tongue in cheek, where they just like this is our up tempo version of Polly. Let's call I, it new I, wave. I will <laughs> tell you, I looked, I could find honestly nothing about this song. Really? Like why they decided okay. to do it this way? <laughs> nothing. So. Well, now your guess is it's like mine. now I'm just even more perplexed and, and angry. I need the story behind why, <laughs> why, uh, <laughs> and disappointed. I'm just I, disappointed. Dear Mr. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I actually, I mean, Polly wasn't my favorite from Nevermind, but I, I might prefer the acoustic original version just cause it lends itself to that darker feel, even though this is, this is kind of fun to hear, uh, to hear that, that dark song done as a green day song <laughs> there, there is, and make no mistake. That's what this is. There is some charm to that. And it's so fast and brief. It's, it's a minute 48, 
Um, I really like the the drum beat. It is prototypical Dave Grohl, and I'm I'm all about that. Yeah. But I don't know that it needs to exist. I I probably just prefer the original. But it's 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 fun to have a funhouse mirror version of of an old fave. I think it's definitely a a rocker. I think it loses maybe a little bit of the effect of the song's haunting nature from Nevermind, as I think everyone's pointed out. But I'm glad that this version exists. I think it gives it more of a punk rock performance. I like to think that both versions can coexist peacefully in all of their pervasiveness, but it is kind of a weird choice with the subject matter to give it this really like upbeat and like kind of punk rock feel to it. I just don't really understand that decision to do that, but I still like it. And I know that when I was younger, when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, this is way better than the one on Nevermind. <laughs> I was like, this is way more of what I want. This is what this should have been for sure. Uh, the first one didn't rock. It didn't rock at all. They were just, I mean, it was, yeah. The the, the Beavis and Butthead effect. Yeah, I was like, uh, <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I... I'm glad that it exists. I think it's a cool duality for them both to be there. Um, but I'm still a little perplexed by the the Man. choice to do that. Blake, maybe it's just a big joke. Green Day. My 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 totem was Blink 182. <laughs> but okay. either uh, you know, Green Day got there first. But either or, take your pick. But that's just what it reminded me of the most. I think. And you know, kind of, he's kind of got that Tom DeLonge snarl a little bit uh, <laughs> in, in parts, but. Yeah, and, and and I don't. I'm not demeaning it uh, oh. as a as a as a Dookie lover. That sounds weird. Um, <laughs> you love Dookie as a as an early Green Day enthusiast. That's a that's a compliment from me. So. Well, while we're talking about who got there first and 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 how to uh, <laughs> you know get into the past, let's all step in a time machine and go back. <laughs> To 1988, as we move into the the next section of this uh, album, which is several songs from uh, the early days of Nirvana. So our next up, we've got Beeswax. can't see me but i'm rubbing my hands together very nefariously behind Beeswax a tree this is uh like one that was re- so here we go this, this, this was the first demo they did in 1988 with dale crover on drums new drummer we, dale. we got dale. through the other three now we're on to our fourth one so dale I like crover dale. i like dale uh pre-bleach jack and dino Damn old, it, old jackie is recording this one at Reciprocal. Uh, I guess Reciprocal, actually. Taking 15 know. minutes to mix the song. Sure. <laughs> and is, wait, uh, was that his Beeswax in particular, you know, as soon as it comes on, you're like, okay, we're back in bleach territory because lyrically, <laughs> oh, this yeah. this one is, uh, this one's a handful. Uh, this is, this is, you know, those bleach era lyrics of just having some weirdly absurdist, provocative graphic stuff uh is, is definitely on display here and i mean i wrote down a few of the lyrics but i i kind of had to stop after a while i got gluing my manhood towards a manhole uh, of course the chorus is i got my titillate spray spade sorry i got my titillate spade and by the way the lyrics Tiddly? to this 
it's titillate apparently. Titillate or titillate. I it, heard I heard tiddly. So yeah. yeah, I heard tiddly as well. Apparently the lyrics to this were super confusing uh, for a long time until <laughs> no they released shit. those Kurt Cobain journals. And I guess in the oh, journals yeah. it has the lyrics to beeswax. And so he wrote, "I got my titillate spade." Um, so uh, that's huh. the most Cobain lyric I've ever heard. Also, about. I got a dick, dick. Hear my fucking hate. That's like a Gigi Allen lyric. <laughs> yeah, that's like that a goddamn go Gigi ahead. Allen lyric. Uh, and then that's, spawning yeah. downstream, El Rancho Ovulate. Ooh, that's some um, fun, fun imagery right there. <laughs> and then he does at one point, goes, instead curt. of saying, I got my titillate spade, he says, I got my penis spade. That is yeah. coming at one point. Um, can, he, can he even say I that? I don't know what to say about this one i'm very puritanical no uh i I just i don't know uh the only note i had was that i feel like playing the drums on this would wear you out after a while like dale crover has just got to be a machine because all the songs with him he's just going to fucking 11 like he's just beating the shit out of those drums and i just yeah i don't know how you could could keep up with it over time, but he's beating him like a man who desperately does not want to be kicked out of a band. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I, I haven't listened to Melvin's and maybe the Melvin's are, are all like that as well. The, the, their songs, but man, he just is, he, he beats the crap out of him. Oh, right. Dale, Dale's not the one that was kicked out though. No, I, no, I'm no, 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 no. I don't, Chad's the only one that was really, cause Dan Peters went to mud honey, um, or yeah, was in yeah. mud honey already. Um, but, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on beeswax? Um, it is one of the less memorable ones for me. Uh, <laughs> Logan, the, which, I, I hear Logan, by the oh, way, yeah. gearing up, but like, just like <laughs> revving up as everybody talks. Okay. Go, no, go ahead, Logan, Matt. Yeah. Lo- Logan's getting ready to drop one. Um, it's, it's fun. Uh, you know, when I listen back, uh, it's one that I didn't remember as much. I, I it's, it's kind of it's kind of a vocal gear that that we're going to hear again on this record, but what was kind of you know something that that he he didn't really do a, as much, but uh, you know you can kind of see a through line to you know through this to a song like uh, Tourette's on, on In Utero, where it's um, you know kind of just really uh, in, intense you know vocal uh, acrobatics. I, one thing I, I will note, you know, as I was looking through this, uh, th- this was on a uh, on a Kill Rockstars comp, and uh, it appears that uh, uh, that it's available on Discogs, you know, for you know fifteen or sixteen dollars. So, you know, it might be. Wow. Uh, I, I've been looking into uh, picking this up just as kind of a neat little slice of what was going on uh, on that label at that time. Um, yeah, but uh, Bl- Blake, what, what what do you think? I like it. Uh, I don't mind it. I, I I'd need more time with it to form more, <laughs> more thoughts on it. But uh, I felt that it was. Uh, it, this is like Bleach 1.0. I don't even know what to call it, but it's it's very Bleach. Obviously, um, we threw the the term Doom Pop around when we were first talking about Bleach. I don't think that was our term. It was Chris's right? Doom Pop. I believe so. Yes. I felt Sludge that these <laughs> That sounds like a slur. I don't, that makes me uncomfortable. Um, I feel like beeswax is the epitome of the doom pop sound. I, but yeah, I don't have much else to say on I, it. I liked, uh, I want to get in before Logan here. I, I like the clipped phrase 
Um, you know, it, it's kind of a uh, an interesting, you know, I don't know that it's necessarily a, a different time signature, but just the way that they kind of, you know, uh, clip off the end of the um, of the phrase on the, you know, I got my tiddly sprayed lines. But uh, L- Logan, uh, we, we Logan, get the feeling that, that you have some Logan, things to say about this song. Give us some go, verse drops and knowledge. Well, I really go dislike off, this song. And no, I'm just kidding. What? No, so, okay. This is the first song in a trilogy, another trilogy of songs that I call <laughs> Kurt has been taken over by a creepy, drunken, and disgruntled man with food poisoning. It's It's like he's become <laughs> some crazy naked man hiding in the bushes like talking complete gibberish just like someone get this guy out of the street like done smoke way too much crack or something but i no, i love this song like who the fuck is this guy like he just totally takes over it's just a different and the first time i heard it i was completely put off by it uh i was just like what is this this is and i just like kind of poo-pooed all over it but as the years have gone by, I've come to appreciate uh, this song quite a bit. And I, I think it's, at its most, it's, it's just very funny to me. It, it makes me laugh and it, it cracks me up. And I think it's a, I kind of enjoy word salad type approach to lyrics where it's just complete nonsense or gibberish. I And you're going to love Kurt Cobain? I just, I love that kind of and it, it's just kind of a provocative, almost just like trying to be off-putting and trying to make you feel dirty and like, ugh. I could. Just... I would love it if if Kurt did like kind of like an Andy Kaufman, Tony Clifton thing. Kurt would do like a, this is Mister Mustache character. Yeah, he would just show up and be like, I got that... my to late spade, like just <laughs> yeah. saying random shit to people. No, I definitely. What's the matter? That it, that offend you? <laughs> it's just like this separate character that exists in him, and I think that's. Really cool that we get to see it, I think, in my opinion, come out a couple few times on this album. Like I said, yeah. this is a trilogy for me. So. Which the other songs will probably be coming up very I, soon. I, I think I know what gave him I, the food poisoning, by the way. <laughs> uh, before, we get to what, before we get to what gave him the food poisoning, we've got to talk about Downer. Uh, we'll get which there. Downer is actually one we've already discussed. We've done and, this one. And there is some debate, though. I I did notice that at least one thing I read said that this version of Downer is different than the one on the Bleach reissues. However, everything else I've seen says it's the same version. Yeah, I couldn't tell the difference. I I couldn't either. Yeah, and I was like, well, it sounds pretty much the same to me. Yeah. So this this is recorded with Jack and Dino that first demo in 1988 pre Bleach with uh, Dale Crover on drums. And uh, like I said, we kind of talked about it already on the bleach episode. Um, I did notice this go around that the snare drum part to me is very similar to beeswax where it's got that like, like real quick snare hits in succession. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And, and so I I noticed that between beeswax and downer, but other than that, uh, I guess you'll have to go back and listen to my thoughts on, downer on, on the I'm just going to drop the downer thoughts uh, <laughs> copy and paste 
since they just anybody have anything else about downer they want to say that they didn't get to say on the bleach episode before we maybe move on great song i said love it still smacks smacks it real hard all right josh i have a question for you one of the best songs are you hungry i i made pizza for dinner do you think that you might want a little mexican seafood I actually love Mexican seafood. I like uh, tostadas de ceviche, where, you know, ceviche, it's not really Mexican, I guess. It's South American, but... Wow. Like shrimp marinated in lime. I, oh, I think oh. these shrimps might have gone bad. Yeah. All right. Uh, which I, I guess I, bu- I bungled that segue. Uh, <laughs> next up, we got Mexican seafood. Also, the first demo, 1988. Jack and Nino, Dale Crover. Uh, again, uh, as Logan said, our raving lunatic is back uh, with the bleach era lyrical content. So some of the the great ones I grabbed here, um, there's a few, but the one I the one I grabbed is quote, "Now I vomit common diarrhea on the tile floor <laughs> like oatmeal pizza." <laughs> so, oh my god! <laughs> um, by the way, uh, talking about some of the stomach issues, you know, Kurt did have stomach issues, and and some people believe that he's talking about those stomach issues in these songs. As far as notes on this, uh, I was, what is, I don't know what's going on in the verses. The way he sings the verses, it almost sounds like he's doing an impersonation. Like he's trying to kind of figure out, you know, like how he wants to <laughs> sing stuff. It just doesn't sound I think like a lot he's of the, normally singing. A, um, a lot of the Bleach era, I think, sounds like that. And there are some out. more uhs uh, grunting in this song. There's more like, uh, uh. You know, at the beginning of every verse. The breakdown, by the way, reminded me a little bit of like a Jimmy Page part almost. Um, like the riff. I, I heard that. A little bit, but uh, kind of syncopation. Uh, Blake, got some thoughts on Mexican seafood? I mean, <laughs> thank you for that accent. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts, but I, I also, I dig the breakdowns. I called them metal metal breakdowns, but uh, cool, cool jammy stuff. I thought that the song sounds tough. Tough. This whole era. T-U-F-F. Yeah, that's... Logan, that's literally how I spelled it in my notes. You betcha. T-U-F-F. This whole group of songs from this session sounds T-U-F-F. It blasts you straight out of the gate. That being said, I, I couldn't hum it for you, and I, I need more time in the song. But uh, I thought it was all right. This song really, uh, really struck me. Um, I, I think, I think Logan, I, I feel about this the way you feel about beeswax, though I, I'm willing to bet that you like this one as well. The verse reminds me of kind of a proto uh, uh, Ben a Sun, um, you know, kind of that. Uh, I, I haven't checked to see if this is in D as well, but but uh, you know, kind of a D that that walks down, um, and yeah. the the juxtaposition of that with you know, kind of the more growly verse uh, is is a lot of fun. Uh, Josh, I also um, was uh, noted the the oatmeal pizza line. Um, the the breakdown um several of these breakdowns remind me of of an El Minotaur 
uh, vibe. I don't know if anybody local else. reference, local, local reference. Uh, I don't know. Dated I don't know if they're on YouTube reference. at all. I hope that they are because people need to hear. El I, Minotaur, I doubt but, it. But uh, they on the internets. But uh, I, I I really like this one a lot. Uh, it's um, it's in the running for uh, for me for the the don't sleep on it. Uh, really for, for this record. Wow. Yes, nice. yes, I would not nice. have said nice. that. Nice. By the way, I never would have guessed that. Good for you. I don't sleep on it, man. It's a lot. I of fun. I don't yeah. want to sleep on oatmeal pizza, cum <laughs> diarrhea, whatever. Oh, you're gonna and you're gonna like it. D- are, are you feeling Kurt, the blood by the becoming way, chowder rust? Kurt, by the way, should have written for Garbage Pail Kids cards. <laughs> <laughs> he he should have uh, loved he, he to missed write his for calling. Garbage Pail Kids. Logan, he, tell uh, us he your did, thoughts. He did, but he was fired early. About uh, Mexican damn it, seafood. That guy from the bushes, he's trying to get inside <laughs> the restaurant. He's smeared himself in feces. It's all over him, and he's yelling at some kid. And the song sounds like it's an STD. <laughs> if this song were a TV show, it would be like world's worst hoarders. Also, my favorite line is uh, stained dirt, Vaseline, toe jam, and booger. Oh, my God. Genius. We're talking genius-level lyrics here. and I Put it on the kids' album. And I, I, I feel like their early iteration of their potential band name for Pucaria, I feel like they would have been responsible <laughs> for writing this song. This, this, is, a this pucaria, is a Pucaria This song. is a Pucaria joint right here. And uh, I am totally 100% behind uh, Mexican seafood. What is going on? I love it. All right. Uh, what is going on at the Red Lobster? With... Old Jack Andino and Dale Crover in that pre-bleach Uh-oh. demo. We've got uh, Hairspray Queen. Oh, oh boy. Hairspray Queen, I have a few more thoughts on. First off, the way he's singing it. Similar to the other one uh, I mentioned, uh, similar to Mexican Seafood, he's doing this kind of weird singing. This one, though, it makes me think, it sounds like Bobcat Goldthwait trying to (laughs) sing the verses. The way he's like doing the Bobcat Goldthwait thing. On the live Nirvana page, which is a resource I did not discover until this episode, uh, it says that this song was influenced by Gang of Four. And uh, I can hear that, but the other band I noticed is under the part that's the Your Ears Rang section, there's like a little guitar part that's kind of playing a very funky, like, I don't know what you would call it. It's like a funkier part, but it sounds very similar to the Minutemen song, This Ain't No Picnic. It's a very similar guitar part, and I, I kind of wonder if that was a, a deliberate, like, I want, I don't know if Kurt was a Minuteman fan, but it wouldn't surprise me. Lyrically, there is one lyric I took note of. It is, quote, at night, the Crisco Loch Ness. I don't know what the hell that means, by the way. Okay. Crisco Loch Ness. Um, and I got, I don't know, I don't have a ton to say about this one. The end is very primal. 
lots of grunts and vocalizations. But <laughs> I said guttural. <laughs> it's very guttural. Bobcat Goldthwaite singing the whole way through, and then, you know, and you got This Ain't No Picnic under it, and yeah. Uh, Matt? This is another uh, kind of interesting artifact, I, I think, uh, of that session. Um, this one doesn't work as well as Mexican seafood for me, but but I, I still think it's fun. Um, I, I was doing some reading. Uh, th- this was one of the songs that they played at their very first show uh, in, in Redmond. They went to like, it would be like if we went, to, it, w- it would be like going to Joplin uh, or, um, <laughs> or or a smaller town even than, than uh uh, than Aberdeen and, you know, playing to some rednecks and needless to say, it, it, it didn't done. exactly go over well for folks who were, you know, expecting like Ario Speedwagon essentially. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, we, you mentioned the, the thing at the end, uh, I, I, I'm curious if, uh, Billy Corgan, you know, heard that riff at the end and, uh, dropped it into XYU that that's what it reminded me of at least. And, uh, it's fun, you know. It's it's got that 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 crazy vocal that that, that he does, and that's really all I have uh, have for it. But but I'm 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 glad that that they have it. I did see that uh, he had once expressed you know some regret that they didn't put it on the first album. Uh, you know, he, uh, I, I think it really would have you know shown another side and and made made Bleach kind of a more diverse record. Yes, it would have shown another side, the funkiest side Nirvana has ever shown. <laughs> the song opens uh, with that, that famous uh, Nirvana solo bass opening. Yep, but it's the funkiest bass you ever heard, followed by the funkiest guitar Kurt's possibly ever done. It, that really sticks with me. Yeah, the... Uh, the, the whole intro is just like an instrumental jam, which I thought was kind of neat uh (laughs) i've written squealing vocals over funk guitar it's a uh it's an interesting choice and then i wrote that the outro section is a super guttural metal outro and you hear a you hear a double bass a double kick i think just sneak in there just Just under the wire at the end i thought that was yep creep in there a sprinkling like, of think, the double kicks. You think I can get a little double kick in this? I a little double kick I just want a little bit at the kick. end. It really, yeah, it leaves you with something there. A powerful ending to a a, a kind of lengthy, uh, repetitive song. <laughs> it does run a little long. I think it's about five minutes. Do you guys? Sorry, I'm going to interject with a a question here that's going to probably derail us slightly. But do you think that it would have been better if they would have taken all of the pre-bleach demo songs and parse them out throughout incesticide or do you like them all in a row i don't know if i have a preference on that yeah well they're not are they all a compilation i think they are yeah they're all like kind of in this section they're in the yeah but i feel like downer kind of breaks it up but i feel like that's part of that trilogy i'm talking about i guess yeah all the dale crover stuff's like like beeswax mexican seafood and a hairspray queen i feel like and then arrows yeah yeah, but D- Downer was maybe in this same session though because it yeah, wasn't on it was. the, the it's first. Yeah, it's the pre-bleach. Demo. So that's four in a row of yeah, uh, okay. beeswax, Downer, Mexican seafood, hairspray queen, and Arrow Zeppelin. So five in five. a row. Five. They're just sort of all in a row there. 
I don't know. I kind of like them all in a row, but um, for me though, it does sort of make me, I, I don't really like them as much as I like some of the other stuff on the album. So these are like kind of the ones I'm usually like, Oh, kind of skip through. It's, these. it's like so. including its own little EP in the midst of this compilation. Yes. Uh, Logan, what are your thoughts on hairspray queen? <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm calling the cops. I mean, <laughs> the boss is doing something, you know, he's doing something offensive with the, the bass is doing something offensive with the guitar <laughs> and having some kind of existential crisis. Uh, the man is urinating on a dog and growling like a dinosaur. Uh, this man needs to be subdued immediately or, you know, cancel that. He's set himself on fire. We need an ambulance. I don't know. What a bizarre song. I don't know who this man is that's taken over Kurt Cobain, but I like him. <laughs> I don't. I don't know him. I. This ends my trilogy of weirdness. Uh, <laughs> I think it's beeswax, Mexican like seafood, and hairspray queen are just so bizarre to me. Oh. And I, they stick out to me. Uh, they've be. They're ones that I initially, like I said, were off-putting, but they've kind of become my favorite tracks on the album. It, it didn't occur to me until just now, but this is almost one that you could give to somebody and say, like, if they've never listened to Nirvana, like, listen to this album. Okay, which <laughs> songs do you like? If you like these, go listen to Bleach. Yeah. You know, if you like these, yeah, go listen yeah. to Nevermind. It's, this it's is kind the start of, of the Nirvana flowchart. <laughs> Info, yeah. <laughs> infographic of... Uh... Yeah, uh, Logan, I would have made it a quadrilogy and included Downer because it is it is so the ramblings that, of this you know, shit-covered yeah, co- shit madman. I think you could convince easily convince me. I think you already did. It's just a guy, All right. a, word sal- a guy going off on a word salad rant. Yeah, I'm down. We are moving into the final uh, pre-Bleach era demo, and gonna, that is... land this aeroplane. For Aero Zeppelin. <laughs> Despite what the title is, apparently in his journals, Kurt wrote that this song is, quote, not about Aerosmith or Led Zeppelin. It's about The Colt, Faster Pussycat, Kingdom Come, Guns N' Roses, White Snake, and Nirvana. Uh, apparently, they weren't very anti-Led Zeppelin or Aerosmith. Actually, they included an Aerosmith album in like 50 albums he loved or something like that. Wait, so he did or he didn't like Aerosmith? Apparently he put uh, their their album Rocks on his list of his fifty huh, okay. favorite albums. Because I'd heard, I I think I only heard that like, oh, it's a um, you know homage to Led Zeppelin and Aerosmith. So. I, I think he goes back and forth because there's other interviews where you're right. He does say, but apparently in his journal he said it's not about them. It's more about bands that try to sound like them. Oh. Um, interestingly enough, it sounds classic rockish to me, (laughs) the way it's written. Um, it sort of has a very riff, classic rock riff kind of heavy thing. Um, 
one thing I noticed, I don't know if you guys noticed this, the guitar solo almost sounds like he forgot to click on his effects pedal. <laughs> There's like a couple bars where it's clean, or I don't know if it's you clean, hear it. but it's just got... You hear him. Exactly what it, and then you about. suddenly hear the distortion come on, and it really sounds like he just is like, oh shit, clicks <laughs> it on, and then they're just like, eh, keep that take. Um, I actually like Aero Zeppelin. Aero Zeppelin's probably my favorite of this batch of like pre-bleach stuff. Um that may be just because of my affinity for Led Zeppelin and classic rock um, that I like that, but I, I do like this one quite a bit. Um, it's interesting that, that you mentioned uh, Rocks, uh, the Aerosmith record, that that has Back in the Saddle, which is my favorite Aerosmith song, and I, I can kind of hear, you know, Here's some similarities in in those vocals, you know, kind of the, the early Steven Tyler vocal stylings to our our crazed friend, you know, um, who who is um, who's been on on this record. Uh, Era Zeppelin's good. Um, little uh, anecdote: uh, it was another one that they played at their first show, and um, it was one that didn't really have a good uh, structure. And according to uh, to the band, they decided they were going to play it at the show and, you know, kind of that was the arrangement that they kept was just, it, it kind of was, was an organic uh, thing that, that grew out of that, that performance. Um, this uh, also reminded me of, you know, uh, El Minotaur and, and other kind of syncopated metal um, bands. This, this one um, doesn't do it, you know, a, a, as much uh, as some of the other ones, uh, from this this session i I wrote down pretty average so i i I guess that's kind of how i feel about it so you know just a bit of a man i'm surprised i i kind of thought you would like this song this is the one i like uh blake uh do you like i uh well the title cracks me up (laughs) and i think it is it's apropos Uh, it's got some a lot a lot of jamming i do like the the long jammy sections, but uh, by the end you do start to feel that length kind of like, all right, uh, when's this over? Maybe it's just cause I, this song is newer to me. Once again, not as familiar with it. Um, I did, I did time it and it's at one minute, five seconds when you hear him clearly stomp the distortion <laughs> pedal. <laughs> It's as clear as day, and it, it cracked me up. <laughs> I just like that they didn't do another take or anything. I, like, I yes, love that there's no like... overdub. Like, this was a studio session, but n- let's not bother overdubbing. It was a demo. Just I mean, a... it wasn't meant to be a yeah, I, I need to go release. back and listen to this. I don't, I don't think I caught it. Yeah, they might have run out of time, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if they ran out of time, but they actually ran out of tape at that session. They they did, <sighs> um, however long it, um, it was, you know, uh eight or 10 songs in that session. And the last one was pin cap chew, which is, uh, on that, uh, that best of the box. I think that they, they may have re-recorded it, but they actually, uh, ran out of tape in the middle of that, uh, of that track and, you know, had, had to, um, uh, just had to stop. Cause they too were damn long. I like Kurt, Kurt being like, Oh man, I have a, but he's like, I had a few other songs we'd record. Come as you are. Smells like teen spirit. <laughs> and he's I like, mean, I guess, I guess we'll just burner. worry about those another time. Was, yeah. uh, Logan, what are your thoughts on the last of the pre bleach era demos, arrow Zeppelin? I, I think this song rocks. I think it's a cool <laughs> B side. 
I think the riffs are are pretty killer. And the bass, digging that. I'm kind of luke. Not I wouldn't say lukewarm, but I do. There are parts of the songs, and I like Blake said, I do like the jammy parts, and there's some cool riffage going on in there, so I can get behind that. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's, it's a pretty good song. I wouldn't skip it or anything. All right. Um, so after the string of of demos, there we have uh, another Chad Channing song. Uh, um, kind of going back to Chad. the beginning of the album. It is Big Long Now. Big Long Now was recorded for Bleach in December of 88 with Chad on drums. It is the longest song on this record, by the way. Five minutes, four seconds. And, and this was the five minutes I was thinking of. Uh, Harrisburg Queen is a tight 413. And it uh, also, this is, I, I feel like I should have an alarm. This is my lowest play, play count on Spotify award. Um, this song has the lowest play count of all on Spotify. Um, apparently Jack and Dino had to remind them of this song. They yeah. had forgotten about it and he lobbied to get wow. it on incesticide. Uh, he thought it should have been on bleach, but Kurt mm. did not want it on bleach cause it had enough slow songs already. He said, and, uh, there are no That's known correct. instances of this song being played live. Although Chad Channing swears they did. Um, But no one can find evidence of that. And I say that is okay, because I do not like this song. (laughs) This song is boring AF. Uh, I wrote down. Anyone have a take that isn't boring AF on this song? Uh, Uh, Maybe I I had uh, more like too long now. Am I right? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This song kind of reminds me of, of sifting. Um, there, there's some in, you know some neat things that they're doing, but uh, it, it's kind of a, a, a failed execution, I, I think. You know, it's it's got all, all of the um, the the elements there. I, I I can't explain why, but that that intro riff, kind of the dun 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 that yeah that just reminds me of of a, a modest mouse riff almost. Um, and and, and I, I don't really have. Hmm. Giving it a lot of credit. Well, <laughs> I, yes, and, and and it may it may be a half baked uh, modest mouse riff, but uh, but that's that's kind of the 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 vibe I, I get at least in that in that verse part, uh, kind of that you know angular you know. Uh, Is it like third planet or something? Uh, more more like something from. Uh, Long Drive or uh, or even like Sad Sappy Sucker. Uh, Okay. Just kind of more of just like an atmospheric feel to it more than than, than a yeah. than, than a fully realized song. Sure. Um. Yeah. Uh, for, for big long now, I wrote a uh, long song now. Uh, <laughs> oh, so man. this is gonna be uh, good. very clever of me to write that. Very clever. Uh, I I described the song as plotting. <laughs> um, and it's I. 
I mean, clearly from what Josh has told us about the backstory, this was destined to be a B-side, <laughs> destined to be cut from Bleach. It almost sounds, by the way, like Kurt is, it was dead on arrival. Like, I don't even know why they recorded yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I know. He finished like, it, he's just like, I don't care about this song. <laughs> why are we, why are I we guess gonna... Jack had to kind of like uh, uh, pull his arm a bit to even <laughs> record it, but that was probably a mistake. <laughs> I mean, it's not offensively bad or anything. I just, I don't know. Maybe it'll be my skip it. I, I don't have many other thoughts. By the way, on that. before we get to Logan's opinion, I, I based on Logan's reaction so far, I'm trying to, I was trying to figure out like, is Logan gonna love this song or is he gonna hate this? Like, I can't tell what your feelings are on this. I one. think it rips. Because your reaction so far, I'm like, I can't tell if he's gonna really like it or really hate mm. it. Do you want to know? Yes, what are your thoughts on Big Long Now? Well, uh, similarly to you guys, I wrote uh, more like Big Long Suck. Uh, hey! <laughs> we agree! I just... We all had a different uh, goofy ass... Uh, I just didn't even Aridini. write anything. I'd rather just groan for like three minutes than talk about this song. Five minutes. Uh, yeah, five minutes even. Uh, I can get behind some of the, you know, once it gets a little heavy and breaks into a little heavier... Uh, verse or pre-chorus i i dig that part okay but man i'm i don't want to blow what uh <laughs> give away what i'm gonna skip but <laughs> by the way it's not helped by its placement because even though i'm not right. the biggest fan of those bleach songs they're at least exciting like the pre-bleach songs like at least they're kind of interesting and exciting and then it's yeah. and then you got you go from that to this and then to aneurysm which not to tip our hands too much but i i at least love aneurysm and it's just like the worst placement for this song yeah, it's just, the song wasn't destined to make it you know like, it just uh, wasn't meant to be it maybe should have been cut from the uh songs that were cut <laughs> so we it's, can we can safely say so long now. Yeah. Less less of that, please. <laughs> and let's go Clever. to the, the last track, which is aneurysm. version of aneurysm is from the 1991 bbc session uh with mark goodyear with dave on drums and i actually have kind of confession about this song because even though as i just said i love this song and this is one of my favorites top tier incesticide songs uh i remember the first time i think i heard this was actually a live version on a weezer bootleg do you remember this logan that there be this version floating around that was either yeah. Weezer or R Rivers Cuomo band doing mm -hmm. this song, or uh, he had a Nirvana cover. Yeah, band they were uh, uh, something goat. Uh, yeah, goat punishment. Goat, goat punishment. punishment. 
<laughs> and and that was the version I heard. And I I think even on that version, I had such a a, a bad patience that I never got past the intro. <laughs> I would always just <laughs> listen to the intro and it sort of turn it off because I was like, eh, I don't like this one. Because because it wasn't like there wasn't vocals. It just takes so long. Yeah, like there was something about it didn't grab me because it, it's got that long sort of intro before you get into the oh yeah the yeah. dun 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 and that that's dun, the dun. part I really like. And so it's just funny that, uh, yeah, my impatience, man, I never really got past it until I actually sat down and listened to it. But I'm uh, glad yeah, you, this is glad one you've of, had one a breakthrough. Now. Yeah, yeah, this is one of my faves now. And uh, yeah, I definitely. He got ADD medication and was able to. <laughs> it took years of therapy, like but we that. finally uh, got him to got him around to I, it. I'm actually now now you got me wondering, Logan, what else is on that goat punishment bootleg? Uh, what other songs they do? Um, but anyway, uh, Matt, what are your thoughts on aneurysm? I, I don't think it will shock anyone to know that I think that aneurysm freaking rules. It's, you know, it's got all of the critical Nirvana elements. It's got quiet verse, loud chorus. Um, it's got the chorus guitar tone. It's, you know, really high energy, uh, you know, just makes you want to kind of you know bop bop your head to it it's actually uh the second version that they recorded uh to this and this is where i was getting confused earlier uh with the um uh, with that that session uh they, they recorded a version that was the b-side to smells like teen spirit with even in, in his youth um i i listened went back and listened to that uh i didn't didn't like it as much um you know i i think they they do it better uh on this version um i know they spent a lot of time on this uh this song during this session you know and and really worked hard on those vocal effects, you know, kind of the fade in and fade out of the nahas that, that, uh, that works so well. Um, you know, Josh, I, I don't know. I, I, but, I guess I can understand being bored by the intro, but, uh, oh, go ahead. You know how impatient I was. Uh, by I, the way, I, I, I was going to say that, uh, I, I think your confusion of, of the versions is not helped by the fact that if you go to Spotify, it doesn't identify aneurysm as being from, that BBC session, but, and that made me actually think that maybe I was wrong, but everything else says it's that BBC session, this version. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what I, that was my info. It's, it's one of the, uh, one of the few songs that's actually credited, credited to all three members. And, um, you know, I, I think it's got, you know, really, really good, uh, good growl grumming. <laughs> really, really good growl drumming. And, um, <laughs> You know, I, it's it's just a lot Great of fun. Great grow. Yes. Um, this might be one of those best for last type situation albums that happens every so often, which uh, there's, I'm sensing a consensus maybe on that, but uh, I don't want to tip it too far. The, I think the song, contrary to Josh's opinion, starts very strong. And I, lo- I love that it's a, a, a two-section thing you don't hear nirvana do this maybe so often but two movements Mm. so it starts with a one minute little instrumental that's one minute exactly instrumental thing that's pretty cool followed by the second movement which is the song with the lyrics and stuff uh i dig both is it their closest smash together towards progressive rock i think so this is this is basically a prog song although i some of that 
hairspray seafood or whatever. It's kind of get, getting proggy well, in there. Beeswax hairspray. Uh, seafood and Mexican queen. Hairspray beeswax. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's got a really, really catchy chorus. The chord progressions are catchy and cool. I, lo- I love that chorus effect. I agree with the stuff that Matt said. Yeah, I mean, oh, I really like the the harmonies at the end with classic Kurt harmonies. I don't know if it was Kurt and Dave together or, or who it was, but they, they sound cool when it switches at the end there. I dig it. I don't know what else there is to say. Logan, the, uh, take us home. Oh, Matt, go ahead. I'm sorry, just... Uh, Sensing the, a trend. Right before... <laughs> yes. Right before um, it, it, it comes back in in that, that second movement, as, uh, as Blake talks about... Um, He's he's kind of doing the palm muted uh, chords and opens it up a little bit uh, right before the distortion kicks in. It's just such a really good little choice, but but uh, makes that transition so much stronger and, mm. and 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 you feel it more. I agree with that. This is a uh, this is my favorite on the album. Uh, I think this song is the perfect Nirvana song for me. I, I think it has everything that I like about Nirvana: the the loud, quiet, the just that opening, you know, when the guitar comes in with that frantic, high pitch, you know, you know, going up the neck a little bit, it just it makes the back of my, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stand up, and I think it has kind of a surfy vibe to it in a way, a weird kind of surfy kind of feel. But the first time I heard it, I like I said, it was on late night radio and. Like I lived at Lake of the Ozarks, but I tried to tune into Springfield radio, but I had like a coat hanger, like jammed in the antenna of my like <laughs> boom box or something. And I could barely sometimes pick up channel Z like 95.5. And I remember they played nice aneurysm late at night and I was taping, I would tape stuff off the radio all the time. And I was just like, so what I-, I didn't realize that it was a Nirvana at first. I'm like, who is this? And I just, I thought that long intro, it's kind of the opposite of you, uh, Josh. That's what drew me in. I was just like, whoa. Because when that distortion would kick back in, it was just so, it felt so right. And I don't know. I, It's hard for me to come up with words that haven't already been said for this song. But it's. I think it's a top tier Nirvana song. Um, I would put it, in my top Nirvana songs for sure. I'm surprised that it wasn't, well, I mean, I, if they can play it on the radio, maybe it, was it a single? It wasn't a single, right? I don't, it was a I single think for this a, album a live version later. For no, Muddy Banks of the Wishka. There was a single for Muddy Banks of the Wishka. Yes. Okay. Maybe that's what I um, heard. All right. I don't know. So that wraps up Incesticide. Let's uh, talk about its, Let's sort of go overall sort of take on it. Can we, decide. can, can ahead, we just uh, pause briefly to, to note uh, great lyrics on, on aneurysm uh, as well. You know, the come on over and do the twist, just, you know, the, the vocal performance and the lyrics are, uh, you know, re- really come out well. Um, does he say, yeah, come on over. <laughs> does he say beat me? He says sounds. like beat me out of me or, and he also says beat the out of me. Is that right? Or I heard beat it. Beat it. Down, 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 down. Beat me out of me. I swear he says beat it at some point, but he says beat me out of me. 
beat beat it out of me, beat the out of me, beat me out of me. I always heard beat me out of me like I don't like myself yeah. kind of thing. Beat me out of me. That's what it yeah. sounded like to me. Felt like he switched it uh, up, tried to be confusing, tried to be all crafty. That old wouldn't surprise that old me. Wiseacre. <laughs> this is uh, that old trick. supposed to be about um uh first time he was and I'm sorry I'll have to QC this uh <laughs> that old throw, when throat he was oyster with, uh Courtney Courtney Love um and you know kind of about their uh their first night together um and I, I love the duality of the uh the come on over and shoot the shit you know that that's yeah, I like that both too. kind of a, a mundane and also, you know, may, maybe a, a <laughs> given the context, well. yeah, maybe uh, not. <laughs> oh no, you know, it's Ew, just, just no. a, uh, a, a really fun, uh, fun lyric. But yeah, I, I, I didn't want us to, uh, to, to miss miss some uh, some great, great current no, lyrics. Yeah. Cool. All right. So uh, as far as overall takes, before we jump into ours, uh, I wanted to mention as far as like the legacy of this. You know, it's it's a compilation, so it makes sense that it's not on any of the best ever list that I have consulted in the past. Um, I did see that in one review, though, for allmusic.com, music critic Stephen Thomas Earlwine said that an aneurysm was perhaps the single greatest song that the group ever recorded. Um, and, and, you know, Incesticide did go platinum, so uh, it did do well. And I'd also like to point out that I'm not sure that there'd be a Weezer without it, given a sliver and aneurysm sort of influence on Rivers Cuomo. So um, I guess we can go around and kind of talk about our overall take. Um, what do you guys see as the banger? And I'll start and say that I think it's probably going to be unanimous, but the banger to me, aneurysm. Uh, yeah, the bangers aneurysm. Um, honorable mention to uh, to Sliver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're they're kind of trying to do different things, but uh, but yeah, I I had to aneurysm as as the banger as well. Yeah, I'll agree. Just because it's the I think it's the best fully formed single ready rocker on the album. I would I agree with you, Matt. Aneurysm is definitely the banger. Um, but I also would like to give a shout out to Sliver. But yeah, I agree aneurysm i i think this one's also going to be uh unanimous most skippable uh for <laughs> me big long now <laughs> yeah skip yeah. it big long now get you, you, why are you wasting time when you could be listening to aneurysm <laughs> it's just that thing that stands it's that five minutes that stands in the way of you listening blake to are aneurysm. you also saying yeah. big long now then i'll say big long skip all right logan <sighs> big long now. He's thinking about it. Big long now. It'd be funny if you were like hundred <laughs> percent sliv sliver or one of the like. No, I'm surprised that we're all we're it. all matched up so far. So that's good. So far, I, yeah. Big long I, I now. Think, I think the uh, the competition for don't don't sleep on it is going to be the now don't don't sleep yeah, on it could that, be a little different. Now I, I had to this think is where about it gets this. And I'm like, what is the don't sleep on it for me? Because there's songs I really like, but I think most of the ones I really like are pretty well. Known. I'm gonna say my don't sleep on it is turnaround. Nice. I'm gonna go turnaround, and the reason I'll go turnaround is because it's one that at first, like I said, I didn't like very much, and it took me a few listens. But uh, once I got into it, I was like, "This is pretty good." And I think, uh, as Matt noted, it almost sounds industrial at times. And uh, I don't know. I, I think it's yeah. one that 
most people probably don't know. And uh, yeah, turnaround. Cool, so I don't sleep cool on. cover. It really is. Uh, I I kind of tipped it earlier. Um, don't sleep on that Mexican seafood, man. You know, nice. dish you some up <laughs> and and chow down because uh, it's 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 weird it's fun it still sounds interesting you know it's got um got a great chord progression and you know i i i would i would definitely come back to it and you know didn't know that coming in it, in re-listening to this record that was the one that that, that kind of grabbed me the most um for, from one that i i wasn't as familiar with yeah uh i almost want to cheat and say downer again <laughs> It's like we, you know, this song already from another album. But hey, don't skip it. Remember, Remember. this is good. <laughs> this one um, is a keeper. My other one is 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 been a son probably. Nice. I just to to good message hidden, not hidden, wrapped up in a in a catchy little tune there. Very worthy. Don't sleep on it. Yeah. I you know I've gone back and forth with this. Like I feel like there's obvious ones that I could pick. But I think my don't sleep on it is stain. I don't know. I think it's a. I think it's catchy. For some reason, I find myself singing that one. Maybe not the most, but pretty regularly, especially within you know listening to this recently. I, I it must be some of that negative creep wearing off because I like that one so much, and I I probably just have a sucker for songs like that. So I I'd probably go stain. The chorus is is just such an earworm. I I agree, Logan. That 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 one stays with you just as as you're humming along. Yeah, and but I would still definitely like to give a shout out to my my trilogy of of, of weird. <laughs> I I think that overall is something that I would look forward to coming back to at some point in in listening to those songs again. Quadrilogy. Quadril yes, quadrilogy. Quadrilogy. Awesome, awesome. See, so, didn't take um, didn't take anything to convince I, me. I guess the last couple things to discuss here are uh, what you personally would cover on this album if you played one of these songs. Um, Did do we rate it? And then we'll do our rating, right? Okay. So, or and if we fine. would buy it on uh, so buy it on vinyl or not? On vinyl, that's right. Yeah. Let's kind of we'll wrap that up in the in in the cover thing. So, uh, as far as uh, which one I would cover, uh, man, I don't know. Maybe Molly's lips because I know Matt and I used to play have Molly's covered. lips and have covered Should Molly's cover lips. Cover a cover. So I'd probably go with Molly's lips. And then as far as owning it on vinyl, um, or or what you know, medium. I, I this is a CD one for me. This is one I'd I'd like it on CD. Um, I just think that's, that's the medium that works best for me for this album. And I did listen to it on CD. In fact, that's what I own it on. Uh, Matt, what do you think? Cover and, uh, what medium you would own it on? Uh, cover's tough. There's a lot of really good, uh, good choices. It kind of depends on what kind of cover you want to do. Um, because I mean, Sliver would be, uh, a lot of fun, you know, just a short, quick pop song. Uh, Benison would, would, would be in there too. Uh, you know, we've covered Molly's lips. Um, I'm, I'm making my mind up right now. And I think I would say that I would want to cover uh Benison. Interesting. Uh, would I buy it on vinyl? Um, I, I've been, I'm looking at discogs right now. It doesn't look like there's a lot of vinyl availability. Um, just some, uh, some imports. Um, I, I don't, if the price was right, yeah, I'd pick it up. Uh, I don't know that I want to go or need to go out of my way. Um, 
to, to get an LP. Certainly not for the uh, hundred plus dollars that I'm seeing this Ecuadorian uh, import <laughs> go for. So, uh, uh, so I, I'm I'm good to keep listening to it uh, on on stream. Yeah, I as I, it would be fun to to cover aneurysm. I don't I don't feel I have the talent to do it. Maybe. Oh, Blake. And then it's kind of like between the two most fun pop songs uh sliver and ben a son but i'm i'd probably also go for ben a son just because it's like the the one you might think of less but but still would be super fun to play and that's what i take into account most i think when when covering a song um i don't feel the need to own this on vinyl at all <laughs> um it almost seems like it'd be a like a tape i, I never say this about records but if i had to have it on something it seems like a grungy ass dank old tape <laughs> put it in your car stereo and drive around yeah exactly it, it's that kind of record it, it and this would have been back in 92 i missed that boat obviously but that's what i would have done ideally i also have it on cassette i should mention that by the way brag much i know all right uh logan Wait, cover I'd, I'd cover sliver i think i think that would be a really int- fun experiment i don't know i think i like that one quite a bit i'd cover that one would i buy it on vinyl yeah i would um i don't own it on vinyl i own it on cd i still have the cd that i bought when i was in seventh grade and uh nice but i listen to it on youtube music mostly through uh head isolation headphones and then also uh, monitors and then in my car i listen to it pretty much everywhere i went so listen to it a lot it's been fun i i did some car listens too by the way i by the way i should have mentioned that i would be down for covering beeswax if matt would sing it um, like i said on the bleach episode just oh, God. <laughs> matt screaming I, I got a dick here my fucking hate <laughs> <laughs> like a god uh, all right uh yeah. as far as ratings go so i i i thought about this i did logan's method of of taking the songs i really liked and um, doing a percentage. So I got a percentage that I feel like sounds low, but uh, it's a 65% for me. Uh, but that <laughs> was well over half the songs that I liked. Um, and so I, I thought if I had to go out of five, uh, I would say 3.5 killed toes or 3.5 titillate <laughs> spade or 3.5 <laughs> toilet bowls filled with pus. Mm. Okay. <laughs> nice. But kind of a kind of a better than average, but you know, I liked I would say a little over half of the songs on it. Uh Matt, what were your what's your rating? Uh I'm I'm right there with you. This is a uh, this is a three and a half oatmeal pizza record. <laughs> um you know, it like I, I I really enjoyed listening to it though. I I think I'm going to I think it was. It's going to be the most fun of these that we've done uh, in, in this series because it's the one that I, I uh, that I heard the the least. But um, but yeah, I, I'd say I'd say th- three and a half oatmeal pizzas out of five. Um, I'd give it three bellyfuls of cum or whatever that. <laughs> we call those rod stewart's around here (laughs) give it three rod stewart's stomach three stomach pumps of of semen uh three out of five i it's 
Is this our I, most graphic it, episode, by the way? I you're going like, to have to really hey, censor this, this for your kids, <laughs> Josh. To date. i got to really do a radio That's Kurt's fault. Censor this for uh, everybody. <laughs> That's Kurt's fault and not ours. We didn't write this filth record. This. And it is a filth record. I I don't need this record in my life as much as I need the uh, other, the, the studio LPs. Maybe it's just because it's newer to me. I, I It hasn't grown on me like the others, but... I'm not I'm not crazy about it, but there's some some it has some high points. All right. So, yeah. And I think I know what your take's gonna be, but Logan, what do you say? Well, the only song that I do not enjoy is Big Long Now. So that's a fourteen divided by fifteen gives me a nice ninety-three percent. And wow. I agree with that. It being my first Nirvana album. The one that I listen to the most, we're talking disc man, long bus rides for, you know, school related things. Like this is the one that I bonded to first. Uh, so it's it's nostalgic for me. Uh, it's like I said, it's probably my favorite Nirvana album. Even Do you like it better a, than uh, Pisces? Better than the Pisces, I scare it. Yep. The Smashing Pumpkins B-sides come. Um, I think they're they're pretty comparable, really. I think that both have a, about equal merit, really. I think both are great compilations, for sure. They can go toe-to-toe. I secretly like Pisces. They can duke it out. <laughs> I, I actually like Pisces a little bit more. I'm saying that without having analyzed. I mean, that's the thing. We're taking these sort of dives into these records. I, I take a little more of a... a, a yeah dive take a little more of an analytical approach than i have in the past so i don't know maybe if i did that to pisces i would have a different take but i at least think i'd like it more um all right so that wraps up incesticide and our next episode will be on in utero the oh, yeah. final nirvana studio album it's and gonna get grungy y'all we will uh, join us next time to talk about In Utero. And yeah, did we have a sign-off? I don't remember if we did like a sign-off before. No, because we insert a different thing at the end. Yeah, so... Hmm. Uh, but we could always come up with should one. Should I just... So it's a, you know, it's like a reverse intro talk. It's like, I well, this, say, has been, well, this has been a great episode. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. It's yeah. been a great listening experience. Going back and listening to Do Incesticide, like I said, I listened to it on many different mediums, even while mowing the yard. And uh, it's been wow. fun. And I'm glad that we did it. Got to this, and if you uh, like what you heard, join us next time for more of that. Would we? Yeah. Yeah. And we'd, we'd say that. Yeah. Do we want more of that? I feel like you guys are kind of more like, uh, oh, yeah. I'll take some of that. I mean, I guess if you want more of yeah. the Nirvana, and se- you could listen to the box set of B-sides and I would demos. vote, like, I want more of that. Does exist. I'm going to say, uh, I... I'm, 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 I don't know, less of that. <laughs> it depends <laughs> on the song. If it's Sliver, I want more of that. If it's Big Long know. Now. It might, be, it might be some of that for me. Or maybe it's, uh, I need more time with that. That's a good... <laughs> Is that an option? Yeah. I need objective. more time with that. Because, unlike you, I didn't grow up with it. So. Right. 
there's that whole disconnect there. All right. Thanks for thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we, this has been uh, Discographology, and uh, join us next time for more of that. More of that can be found on all major music platforms, including Spotify and YouTube, as well as moreofthat.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can follow me at MIT54321 on Twitter, where you can see me doom scroll. <laughs> we are on the Ox Podcast Network. That's A U X, featuring shows such as Shelf Life, a show I do with my friend about toy collecting and other nerdy stuff. Uh, my wife's podcast, Are You There Pod? It's about young adult novels like Goosebumps, which they recently did. That's t- that that dates it. Hang on, I'm going to say that again. My wife. Are- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My wife's <laughs> my wife's podcast. Are you there, Pod? Damn it! <laughs> okay, I'll stop doing Borat. Right. Clean. I got to do a clean take. Got to do it okay, clean. Okay. My wife's podcast. Are you there, Pod? Give me a moment. I'm fucking corpsing now. <laughs> it's about young adult novels. I've also re-uploaded an old podcast we did. It's called The Tattoo Girls Fancast, and it's about a short-lived TLC reality show based on a Springfield, Missouri, all-woman tattoo parlor. (laughs) Yes, this is not made up or or a joke. something we really did. Search Tattoo Girls Fancast. Thank you. If you want to follow some of the music that I've been working on outside of more of that, you can check out soundcloud.com forward slash Logan Williams Music or search Logan Williams Music on YouTube. Thanks for listening. This has been More of That presents Discographology. Join us next time. Now, here is one of our songs, Forget It, to play us out. So